Destination Morocco is excited to announce our new supporters platform where you can show your support for the podcast. Since early 2022, we have delighted in sharing with you the best of Morocco. Great travel advice, cultural insights, conversations with fellow travelers, and our own personal recommendations drawn from a lifetime of experiences. After all, we are proudly Moroccan-owned and operated with the mission to be genuine and trustworthy leaders in Moroccan tourism. Now, you can contribute directly to the podcast and help us continue this mission. Whether five, eight, or ten dollars, a one-time or a monthly commitment, your support is greatly appreciated and keeps the podcast going strong. Follow the link in the podcast show notes or go to coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com and simply search for the word Morocco. See you there. Welcome to the Destination Morocco podcast, the show that takes you away to the beautiful country of Morocco. I am your host, Azadine El Mustakim. In each episode, we explore Moroccan culture, history, attractions, and activities, real and practical information coming from experienced travelers and native Moroccans like myself. Our goal is to help travelers that are struggling with planning any type of trip to Morocco. Our company, Destination Morocco, builds personalized tour packages that will ensure you enjoy our country just like local. Follow us at destinationmorocco.co. And now, let's go exploring. In today's episode, we have an avid traveler, Angel Nair. She's recently traveled to Morocco. She's here today to tell us about her experience in Morocco. Angel, thank you very much for joining us today and welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you, Azadine, for inviting me to be a guest on the podcast. I had an absolutely amazing trip to Morocco and I'm happy to have the opportunity to, to share it with your other listeners that are out there. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, but I was actually born and raised in a small town in Virginia called Danville. Happily married to a wonderful man from India, and we have three kids together. And in terms of what I do now, I work for the film industry in Atlanta. And what you may not know is they call the industry here Yollywood <laughs> instead of Hollywood. There are a lot of things that are actually filmed here in Atlanta, but it's actually my second career. I was before this in banking for over 25 years and honestly woke up one day and realized that while I enjoyed the work that I was doing and the people that I was working with, it really wasn't fulfilling for me. So I decided to try something completely different and pursue a passion in acting. So that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. Still, you know, looking for my big break, but I'm working really hard at it. When I'm not spending time with the kids and the family and on a film set, my real passion also is music. So I spend a lot of time at various music festivals and so forth. So that pretty much is what I do and how I spend all of my time outside of travel. Yeah, because I saw your social media and I saw that how much family means to you, your friends, 
your girls, the concerts, the travel, it's just, it's incredible. So that's, that's really, really amazing. So recently you have traveled to Morocco last month. And what was your perception before you got to Morocco and then after you have been to Morocco? Well, Morocco was a place that we had wanted to go for a very long time. And I think like a lot of other people during the pandemic, when we weren't able to travel, we're like, when we get the chance, we should do it because you never know, you know, what could happen in the future and and when you might have that opportunity. So before going to Morocco, our perception was, well, it felt like a very exotic place. Mm -hmm but also a very conservative place. You know, we thought of Morocco as a developing country. Yes. We expected the women to have on head covers and, you know, we didn't expect to be able to enjoy spirits while we were there. We had, you know, a little bit of concern around safety and things like that. So that was kind of what we were thinking about before we went and as we were preparing for the trip. Now, my perspective after having spent a couple of weeks in Morocco, it's a lot different. The traditional was there and we enjoyed some of that, but there was this unique blend of modern and traditional. So you got a sense of both worlds. So that was pretty neat. Historically, it was just a very rich place with the beauty of the mosques and the palaces and the madrasas right alongside these very trendy and modern restaurants. That was interesting and kind of unexpected. Also, we weren't sure about the Moroccan people and how welcoming they would be to tourists or foreigners. And we were so pleasantly surprised. The people were so nice and hospitable. And honestly, that was one of my favorite things about our visit to Morocco is all of the people, whether they were people in hospitality at the Riyadhs or the hotels or the shopkeepers that we met in the souks and so forth. Everybody was just very warm and very welcoming. And we felt like they were very happy to have us there. Oh, absolutely. That's incredible. The European influence, while I know there had been Europeans there, historically, I didn't realize how strong the influence still was. So you had Spanish in the north, you had French in other places. We know enough French and Spanish to kind of be dangerous. So, you know, we we figure out how to get around in French, you know, in one town, and then we move to the next one and our French didn't work anymore. We'd have to like pull out our Spanish words. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So that was fun. And I'd say one other thing that really struck me and that surprised me, honestly, was how powerful women were in Morocco. That was something completely unexpected in what we thought was a traditional country. There were a lot of women entrepreneurs that we met along the way. Some of our tour guides were women. A lot of the shopkeepers were women. And we actually ate at a couple of uh, women co-op restaurants. Oh, nice. So that was very nice to see. Absolutely. That's really, really good to know and good to hear about Morocco. Before you travel, Angel, I know that you have to do a lot of homework and planning a trip to Morocco. I mean, for me, it really takes me, I would say, anywhere between six months to nine months when I'm planning to go with my family. Mm -hmm. So how long did it take you to plan your trip to Morocco? And also, what type of resources have you used or looked into for your planning your trip to Morocco? It felt like we planned for years because we waited so long before we finally pulled the trigger and and went. But I guess hardcore planning, it did take us a few weeks. We did do something a little differently this time as opposed to how we normally travel. 
we have traveled a lot and we've always done all of the planning and all of the homework and figured out all of the logistics on our own. This time we decided to do an organized tour. So that helped a lot because while we still did our homework, we didn't have to worry about a lot of the logistics. How do we get from this city to that city and what transportation makes sense? And the other really nice thing is not having to worry about our bags. So we didn't have to carry our bags around everywhere we went. That let us have more time to really focus on the places that we were and the places that we went. In terms of how we prepared, we have a few friends that have been to Morocco. So obviously we leaned on our friends and got their recommendations and their advice. We also looked at travel guidebooks. We have a Lonely Planet that we used while we were there and also in our preparation for the trip. Social media now is great. You can find everything you need on social media, although it can honestly be a bit overwhelming sometimes, but we did. We Googled a lot of things and we looked at a lot of stories and pictures from other people that had traveled there. And then honestly, this podcast. So I listened to several episodes of your podcast in preparation for our trip. So I'm glad to hear and pay it forward a little bit. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. In particular, you had one on history that was really nice. So when we went there, you know, I already had a bit of that background. But the one that I found most useful was your podcast on scams. Oh, my goodness. So basically everything you mentioned in that podcast happened (laughs) almost exactly like you had described. But the difference was because I'd listened to that, we were prepared. And so nothing was a surprise and nothing threw us off kilter. So it was fantastic. I'm really thankful that we heard that before we went. I'm so glad to hear that, Angel. I'm so glad. So I've seen your Instagram and I've seen your posts. They look incredible. The pictures that you have posted about Morocco, different cities. Your itinerary was really, really extensive itinerary and a very nice planned trip. And also seeing you take the train, which I have taken the train before. And it depends on the season. Sometimes you travel standing for a long time, but you are very brave by doing that. That's something I would have never done my first time being in a country. And that's something I personally don't recommend, but you did incredible. So can you tell us a little bit about the itinerary that you had for your tour in Morocco? Sure. Well, Azadine, I guess I'm a bit of an adventurer. And my travel style is that I really like to get as close to the local life and the local flavor as I possibly can. And for better or worse, using local transportation is a great way to do that. So we did have a couple of times where we were on the trains. We were there for 12 days and we saw a lot in our 12 days. We wanted to get in as much as we could. We started out, I mentioned the organized tour, so that was part of it, but we actually added some days onto the beginning and the end of it to do on our own. Oh, I see. So we started off in Marrakesh. We were there for a couple of days and we took the train, as you mentioned, down to Casablanca. We got a second class ticket. So we were in there sort of with your average commuting Moroccan. So that was fun. And that was an experience. It was fun. It was a little crowded, but not too crowded. And, you know, we just had fun trying to figure things out and trying to communicate with people and so forth. From there, we went on to see Rabat. Oh, the capital. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That was pretty extraordinary. And then we did a homestay in Mole Idris. Mole Idris. Oh, wow. Yeah. Idris, it's one of those hidden gems, if you really ask me. A lot of people don't know a lot about it, but for me, it's a must visit, especially when you do the northern side of Morocco. It's a must stop, at least for the food and the scenery and a little bit of history. 
Well, I guess it's good and bad that it's a hidden gem. The good is that it's not touristy. Like my group were the only tourists that were there at the time that we were there. I guess the bad is that it's a beautiful place and people miss it. Like I didn't realize that that was the largest pilgrimage place after Mecca. I learned that yes. while we were there. So I'm like, wow, I'm surprised yes. that would not have been on our itinerary if we hadn't done all of the research that I had mentioned. So I was so glad that it was. It's up in the mountain. It's a little village. The people there were very warm and very kind of simple people. We had a bunch of kids that were running around and following us around, you know, through the whole tour and smiling at us and and waving. That was a lot of fun. But we learned a lot about the history. We saw things like how bread was made in those big stone ovens. That was kind of neat. And then we saw, you'll hear me talk a lot about sunsets because we saw some beautiful sunsets in Morocco. But one of those was there on the top of the hill there. You had a beautiful view of the sunset and the city below us. We were there and and you could hear the prayer calls. And other than that, it was quiet. There were, you know, a bunch of cats kind of sitting around and here's this beautiful sun coming down. And and that was a pretty magical sunset and an amazing moment. And we're so glad to experience that there. And then the homestay. So we'd never really heard of a homestay until our to Morocco. But for those that don't know, that's basically when you go stay with a family in Morocco. So you get the real family experience and the hospitality and the food, honestly, the home cooked food. That was really nice. Oh my goodness. You cannot be. Oh, you really can't. So the homestay is basically you're staying with a local Moroccan family. I know some people do it for half a day for a day or even overnight. So which one did you do? It was overnight. We probably got there sometime in the uh, mid-afternoon. We arrived. We met our host. We were escorted to our room. He and his son sort of gave an overview of the town. That was really nice. We explored the village, and then we came back, and they'd prepared a really, really amazing dinner. It was so good. So much food. And then had a very nice night, and then woke up and had a wonderful breakfast, and then you know said our goodbyes. The goodbyes are always the most difficult. They are because every experience had such an impact. It's hard to, while you're looking forward to moving on to the next thing, it's hard to let go of the thing you just did sometimes too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I see you visited Marrakesh, Fas, Shifshawan, Casablanca, Rabat. So 12 days plus additional days before and after that. You're almost a local now, <laughs> the experience <laughs> that you have. That's just incredible. Oh, so God. can you tell us a little bit about the travel from city to city in terms of each city's vibe, culture, and tradition? I know when people say Morocco, they just mean Morocco. But when you go, it's not the same. So if you can explain that to us and to the audience, please, Angel. And I also hadn't realized until we were there and saw some of those places how unique every city was in terms of character, the culture, the language I mentioned, and the food. But I think the most striking difference was the color of the cities. Mm. You know, Marrakesh is red. You really do. You see red everywhere. Rabat and Tangier were white. Shafshawan was blue. So even in color, that's something you wouldn't think about. That was so strikingly different. We're big foodies. We like to enjoy food when we travel. That may have been a big reason that we had wanted to go to Morocco for so long is because we really love tagine. But in Marrakesh, they had something we had not heard of called a tangia, which I 
And now with Marrakesh Specialty, we had a chicken tangia there that was so flavorful and so delicious. I've got to find a recipe and figure out how to make that. Mm, tangia, yeah. Oh, so good, right? It's, is it bringing oh, you back? Oh, it is. I can smell it right now. I mean, when it comes to food, that's one of my weaknesses. And tangia, it's a very special dish that it's known to be made only in Marrakesh, but other cities make it. The chicken is not as popular, but there's different type of tangia. So it's just the same thing if you say couscous. When you eat couscous in Marrakesh, it's different than Casablanca, then fast, then in the mountains, then with the local family. So everybody makes it a little different. The okay. same is tangia. Tangia is the main dish, but it can be made with all type of ingredients, beef, lamb. I've never had it with chicken. Ah, okay. So I can just imagine how tender it is and you can taste the cumin, the spices, the garlic. Oh my goodness. Uh, it really did just fall off the bone. Now I'm getting hungry thinking about <laughs> it. If we'd stayed longer, perhaps we would have been able to try some of the different ones. But as I mentioned, like Tangia, we only saw that in Marrakesh. So glad we uh, tried that while we had the opportunity. And some other unique things. We had a camel burger in Meknes. I'm not sure if there are other areas where you get camel burgers, but we had one there. And for any adventurous eaters, it's worth a try. I would say if I had to compare, it tastes a lot like beef. I almost wouldn't have realized if I didn't know it was a camel burger, I would have thought I was eating a, a beef burger. So that was fun to try. We love the pastilla too. Mm. We knew about that from Moroccan restaurants here in the U.S., but the pastilla and fez was particularly delicious. Really enjoyed that. Yes. And then seafood. Okay. And Tangier, the seafood was absolutely amazing. We ate at a restaurant that's famous because of Anthony Bourdain had gone there for one of his shows and it was called Savior de Poisson. And mm -hmm. forgive my French is not so good, but it was a wonderful restaurant where we went and for uh, 200 dirhams, so like $20 a person, we just got course after course of delicious fish. Oh my goodness. And their house uh, juice, which was amazing. I don't even know what was in it. I think maybe pomegranate or cherry. It was just, but that was an experience. So the seafood in Tangier was amazing. Yeah, the seafood, especially in the north side, you said Tangier. I was in the north side a few years ago. And that's one of the things that I really, really liked the most is the seafood, the quality of the seafood, diversity of the seafood, some seafood, we don't even think that it's in Morocco, but it's actually in Morocco. So I can absolutely relate to your experience. Tell us a little bit more, please, Angel. We went so many places. There's really a lot that I could say about each place. I would say Casablanca, if I had to compare it. I would say it was similar, not in size, but in character to like your New York City. It felt like there were people that were there that were trying to earn their wealth and that were trying to make it. And so that was a pretty cool vibe. I think Casablanca is kind of underrated, to be honest. A, a lot of people and, and a lot of what I saw on social media said, oh, just get Casablanca. There are better places to see. But I'm so glad that we did not take that advice and that we did go there because if you see nothing more than the mosque that's there, I think it's the um, Hassan II Mosque yes. that's out on the water. It is breathtaking. It was absolutely amazing. And if we did nothing else in Casablanca but see that mosque, I would have been satisfied with that visit. We also saw that sunset and it was just beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah, the time that you have went weather-wise, it's actually really perfect. It's not packed in terms of tourists and also in terms of Moroccans coming from Europe, coming from the US, Canada, and so forth. So mm -hmm. you really did pick a really good time to travel. 
I totally agree with you in terms of Casablanca. It used to be a lot more popular, I would say, in the 90s and mm-hmm. early 2000s. And Marrakesh was almost unknown. But then Marrakesh developed so quick and so fast and so much, it became more popular than Casablanca, which I would have never thought it would be. Then Tangier, if you look at it in the last two decades or maybe two and a half decades, Tangier was just a regular city. But then it changed completely in way of, if you look at developments, it looks more like a European city than really a Moroccan city. The same thing with the Saura. So there's some cities, they get developed quicker than others. And some look like they're moving forward. Some are, you know, taking them a little bit longer. So Casablanca for me, I still love it. It's the biggest city in Morocco. And also like the nightlife in Casablanca, the small bars, the music spots that you can go to and the movie theaters and everything. So I agree with you. Casablanca is definitely a must have on your itinerary. And the mosque, I've been there. Yeah. Right. It is magical. It takes you by surprise how massive that structure is. It was open to the public back in, I believe, 1993, and they started building it in 1987. All the Moroccans participated in it. Everybody, they chipped in to help build it. It is the Hassan II mosque, but it's actually, you know, it's, it's all of us. We all have part in it, and, and we're very proud. And you can see all the wooden stuff. It's done by none other than, you know, the Fasis, people from Fas. The craftsmanship, it's amazing, incredible. Then it has the retractable roof. If you go inside and you get to see that, then the marble, everything was local. It's definitely a must-see on your itinerary or on your trip to Morocco. Just one other mention on Casablanca is it kind of had a romantic spot in my mind because of the old American movie, Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to go to Rick's Cafe, uh, oh, and anybody have, that's yeah. seen that old movie will know what Rick's Cafe is. But that was a very different experience, like the traditional alongside of the modern in Casablanca. And we had a very, very wonderful gourmet French meal with spectacular wine wow. at Rick's Cafe and just beautiful music. There was a love group there. If you get the chance in Casablanca, if you want a really nice dinner with a little bit of movie history, that's a good place to go. And the funny thing, when we book Casablanca, Rick's Cafe is always on itinerary. So I'm not really surprised. You did really good. You did, you did incredible. So all those places that you have seen. So you truly did see the true Morocco, in my opinion, because you have that combination of modern, local, a little bit raw, a little bit simple life. To me, that's what a lot of people don't get to see. They get to see a little bit of luxury of Morocco, but that side of the mountains, the small cities, between the main cities and the major cities, that's actually where you really see the true Morocco. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, you can do a luxury five-star trip to Morocco, I think, and have a pretty wonderful and comfortable time. But I think if you don't wander into the Medinas and, and yeah. the souks, I think you're missing something that's very special about Morocco. I mean, we in particular, the Medinas and uh, Marrakesh and also in Fez, like just chaos of the Medinas. It was very energizing. I think that's the word I would use. You have all these little shops selling spices or meat or clothes or this and that with motorcycles zipping through and mule hauling carts and just all of that. That was one of my favorite parts, just walking through the Medina and in the middle of all of that. Oh, I actually miss it. That's You're right. That's the fun part. And then you hear somebody, Belik, Belik means, you know, get out of the way, get out of the way. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of memories. I learned that word. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I have a uh, picture of there was a man hauling a bunch of, I don't know, leaves or something in a cart. And I'm taking a picture and he's got his hand up. Get out of my way. <laughs> That's funny. 
But speaking of Marrakesh, the square there, Gemma Alfina, that was amazing to see too. And I wasn't sure how it would be just kind of coming out of the pandemic. Yes. But we we went there and there were just thousands and thousands of people. And it was just like a huge event. There were tons of food stalls, juice stalls, different street performers. One place I'll mention from your Scams podcast, you had mentioned this. If you go to enjoy the musicians, you can expect if you take a picture or if you're there in the front, they're going to expect that you tip them for that, which we knew and we did. But also a very good warning you gave was about the snake charmers. So one of the things you had mentioned in the podcast is that one thing that could happen is that they would put the snake on you and you would have to basically pay them to take it off. So um, I kept my distance from the snake charmers. I didn't take any pictures, but I did enjoy watching them. Escape to the exotic beauty of Morocco with our exclusive small group tours. Experience intimate group sizes that ensure personalized attention and unforgettable adventures. From the enchanting streets of Marrakesh to the serene beauty of the Sahara Desert. Forge friendships that last a lifetime while immersing yourself in Morocco's rich culture, vibrant traditions, and warm hospitality. Book your small group tour with Destination Morocco today. Experience the intimacy of a private tour at an affordable price. Go to our website, destinationsmorocco.com, that's destinations with an S, morocco.com, and reserve your spot today. Yeah, they're so smooth, you don't even feel it. And it's just like, bam, it's stuck on you. And you gotta, you know, you gotta pay it. It was fun to watch, but for me from a distance. (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) Last time when I went to the square, I paid, but I wanted to take pictures and I took a little bit of video, you know, but it's yeah. for me, it's justifiable. They did not really scam me, but I, I gave them, I think it was 50 dirhams, maybe five bucks or so, but they let me do whatever I want. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Worth the experience and the pictures, right? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I, we're talking about it as scams, but honestly, I don't think of them as being scams per se. I guess if you're naive about it, you don't know till after the fact that some sort of payment is being expected. But the fact of the matter is they've delivered some sort of service to you, whether it's showing you how to find your Riyadh or taking you in a taxi from point A to point B or, you know, letting you take pictures of their performance. There is a service that's being delivered. So you're compensating them for that. You know, while we call it a scam, I don't really think of it as a scam. A lot of them are just hustlers. They just want to hustle you and yeah. get a little bit out of you. And they do it with a smile and you can't even feel it. <laughs> exactly. They're, you know, they're just trying to earn a living. And to your point, yes, with a smile. So in those situations, we were in a lot of those situations, but we never had anyone say anything rude or nasty, or there was never any violence or anything like that. At the end of the transaction, everybody was still smiling. And they basically said, thank you and sent us on our way. So even that wasn't a bad experience for us. Yes. I remember when we talked some time ago, you mentioned something about as soon as you got to the airport and you had the taxi and you went to the Riyadh or the hotel, can you tell us the story with the taxi and they tried to scam you somewhat, somehow? Again, and I knew this was going to happen because I had listened to your scam podcast. So I was prepared for it. When we walked out of the airport, as soon as you exit the airport, you'll see the big sign that has the taxi fares 
depending on which zone you go to. One says 70 Durham and one said 100 Durham. And then there was the phone number for the taxi police. I took your advice. I took a picture of the fares and I took a picture of the phone number for the taxi. And then sure enough, we got out there to the man that's running the taxi stand and he takes us to a taxi and he 300 Durham. We're like, no, we're not going to pay 300 Durham. You know, we see what the fares are. We pulled the picture up on the phone and he said, well, how much will you pay? We say hundred, which is the higher the two on the chart. He's like, no, you know, and kind of shoes us off. And then the next guy comes and he says, okay, I'll do it for a hundred. We're like, okay. He says a hundred each. We're like, no. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> it is. And then finally the third guy comes and he takes us up to our Riyadh for a hundred Durham. But we went through that process and we knew that that would happen. I think if I hadn't listened to the podcast and expected that, we would have just paid the 300 and been on our way. But it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun to sort of go through that. We understood that that's the norm of what happens when you're a tourist there. But you said also to locals, the same thing happened. Yes, it happened to me as well. The thing that I don't really like about it, they team up against you. And the good news, they did not team up against you in this case. Also, when they see me and I look somewhat local, they don't want to deal with me. They know that I'm going to pay them the least amount of money. So they always look at for tourists. And that's really their target audience. I'm glad that the episode was very helpful. And that's what we're really trying to do. I mean, if we can save you money a little bit here and there, that's exactly our really goal. And also, we're very fortunate and very grateful that you have been to Morocco. One of the things that I do when I do my research, I hear a lot of things about Morocco that they're not accurate. And it's especially said or written by people who have not been to Morocco. This is extremely crucial and very important to us and to the audience. Your experience is amazing. I know you're going to help a lot of people listening to your episode, plan their trip to Morocco, do everything the right way, just like you did in terms of homework, in terms of research, in terms of many things. If there was one thing that you really liked or what was your favorite thing about your trip? You know, as Dean, that's a very difficult question because there are so many things that we enjoyed. I think I haven't even mentioned Chef Shawan, which yes. is a totally magical place. And and one until we started planning our trip, I'd honestly never heard of Chef Shawan. But what I've learned is it's one of the top five Instagram cities. <laughs> and uh, when I got there and saw it, I completely understood why it's a very enchanting place. It's a blue city, a blue village out in the mountains. And when you walk around in Chef Chow and like every corner is a photo opportunity that because every corner is so beautiful. Yeah. It's very colorful. You know, you have the blue, but you have uh, some of the traditional clothing is very bright, brightly colored. You have the oranges or the tangerines that are there. So that nice bright orange against blue and lots of nice little shops and things like that. Really, really enjoyed my time in Chef Shallon. I would say the the best moment, maybe of the trip, but definitely in Chef Shallon, was making the climb up the mountain, up the hill to the Spanish mosque. Oh my goodness. Yes, to the Spanish mosque. Oh my God, yes. There's a big mosque at the top of the hill and the sunset from the mosque. It's amazing. It's a must-see if you go to Morocco. One of the things I really enjoyed was obviously the beauty of the sunset, but everybody went up there, the tourists, the locals, like as the sun was setting, you can see everybody climbing the mountain to go to the mosque to watch the sunset. Yes. It might sound a little bit corny, but as I was sitting there watching the magic of the sun setting and looking around at all of the people, 
you get this feeling of there's so much strife in the world right now, but in that moment, it was just peaceful and it felt like we were all one. You know, you realize how small you yeah. are in the scheme of things. So that was a beautiful moment. I remember last time I, I went, I stayed at Darshavshawan, which is just down the hill, but I had no idea how steep. <laughs> I'm always out of shape, but that <laughs> I swear no. to you, I couldn't move for a day. When I went up to see the Spanish mosque doesn't really get enough credit that hill because that's the most popular site in Shifshawan, and especially if you can do it in most definitely sundown. I've seen people from all walks of life. At that time when I was there, I was there actually for about an hour and a half because I wanted to see everything before it goes dark and the change of everything. That is the most popular spot in Shifshawan. And Shifshawan, you're right, it was not known city. It was just known to the local, to us. And then what happened in 2017, there was a Chinese convention. That convention booked everything in Morocco in terms of transportation. And that's how Shifshawan really got its exposure to the outside of Morocco. There's over 1 billion in China. So the exposure, the pictures, the Instagram, just like you said, from China went to Japan. In terms of Chinese and Japanese, that's one of their favorite spots. They go to Morocco because of Shifshawan. In that convention in 2017, that's what really gave it the exposure. For me, when I went to Shifshawan, it has very different vibe. People are hospitable, but it's not a morning city. Everybody wakes up little late. Also, I had some of the amazing food in Shifshawan. I remember I went with my sister and my son to this small restaurant, sits maybe three tables, but most of the stuff that they do is to go. And the owner was just, she was incredible. It was Moroccan food with the, a Spanish fusion. And it's just, just like you said, the food in the north side tastes a little different than fast than when you go to Marrakesh, to Casablanca and so forth. And I know you said tagine is your favorite dish. Angel, did you get a chance to have any of your favorite food in Shifshawan? We did have some delicious food in Chef Shawan, including tagine. We had, as a matter of fact, tagine everywhere we went because we love it so much. <laughs> but in, in Chef Shawan, they have a lot of little restaurants as you walk through. I don't know if you call it the Medina area, but where all the little shops and things are. There are a lot of them where you walk upstairs and you kind of overlook the alleyways. We ate at a couple of those and the food was really delicious. But the place that stands out the most to me is we ate, it's just off the main square at a little place called Cafe Sophia. So I mentioned we'd eaten at a couple of women's co-ops. That was one of them. They just had a very modern take on traditional Moroccan food. And I can't remember the name of what we ordered. It was kind of like a pastilla, but it looked like it was a big egg roll, Chinese egg roll. So you mentioned the Chinese really like maybe sort of that's what inspired it. But that was pretty amazing. Just some very modern takes on Moroccan foods. That place was really delicious. I'm trying to think about all of the tagine we had because we've tried maybe every kind you could get in Morocco, at least in the north. Um, but there was one that we hadn't had before. It was called Maruzia tagine. Maruzia, yes. Yeah, it was a sweet lamb shanks and raisins and honey. And oh my gosh, I'm, I'm still dreaming about it. Sweet and savory. Ah. And it was so, so delicious. I've got to look up the recipe for that one too and try that one at home. Yes. So just to give you a little bit of idea, the marozia, it can be beef, it can be lamb, it can be goat, whatever you like it to be, but it's actually the meat ah. from the neck. So that's why it's a little different. When you say marozia, it's always connected to the neck. The same thing with Tunjia. When you say Tunjia, Marrakesh comes to mind. The same thing when you say Mruzia, it's the meat of the neck. 
with the bones, of course. And that's what really gives it that savory, tasty. It makes it so delicious and tender. Oh oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. Close your eyes and imagine the warm desert breeze kissing your skin as you wander through the narrow streets of Marrakesh. Feel the excitement as you lose yourself to the vibrant colors of the souks, where every corner holds a treasure waiting to be discovered. Experience the thrill of adventure as you traverse the majestic Sahara Desert on a camelback, with nothing but endless dunes stretching before you. Experience Morocco. Feel alive. Get 15% off all small group tours. Visit our website, destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. Use the word 15 as a discount code at checkout and reserve your spot today. Do you have any advice for people that are traveling to Morocco? Would you go back to Morocco? Would you recommend Morocco to friends and family members? Yes, absolutely. So I mentioned we were there about 12 days and we went to a lot of different places. While we got to see a lot, I felt like we didn't get enough time in some of the places I would have enjoyed. For example, Tangier, we were there, you know, not even overnight, but for a good part of the day. But I would have loved to have spent a few days in Tangier. Chef Shawan, you could spend a lifetime there. I mean, that's such a magical place. But also, I would love to go back and do the Southwest. A lot of people talked about the experience of camping in the desert, how incredible that was. So we didn't have time for that in our itinerary. And I would love to go back and do that. I'd also mention the last day we were there, we took a day trip to Ben Hadou. Yes, it's Ben Hadou. Out in the mountains. And, you know, obviously yeah. I wanted to see that for folks that don't know, it's a big site for lots of different movies and film production. So since I work in that industry, I was very keen to check that out. But I was a big Game of Thrones fan. And that was used in Game of Thrones for some of the scenes with the Khaleesi. But it was also in, uh, I think, Lawrence of Arabia and yes. Gladiator. And, and there's just a long list of movies that were filmed there. So that was really, really cool to see. And it was definitely on my list. But on our way there, you go through these beautiful scenic mountains. And we didn't spend a lot of time out in the mountains exploring some of the villages. I would have loved to be able to spend time doing some of that as well. Actually, you passed through my village on your way to Edwin Hattu. So yeah. in those mountains, when you look around to the left and to the right, you don't see anything, but there are hundreds of villages. You don't see them, but they're there. In terms of your itinerary, you did 12 days. It's not enough time to see the north side and the south side. And I'm glad you did just mostly the north side because you get to see it completely. Because the south side, it needs, in my opinion, an additional five days or so just to really, really immerse yourself in the culture, the tradition, and with the locals. I guess that'll be our next trip. We'll try to, to go see some of those places that we just didn't have room for in the 12 days that we had. Did you get a chance to go to the uh, Game of Thrones Museum or Gladiator Museum? No, we didn't. We did a quick stop there. I guess that would be at the movie studio, kind of in that area. So we got to look at the outside for a moment, but just didn't have time to stay there and explore. I would have loved to have done that. Though. Maybe we need to put that also on the list for the next trip. <laughs> <laughs> 
you do seem like a local. I mean, 12 <laughs> days, you've seen quite a bit. I mean, wow, that's very, very impressive. So what advice would you give to the listeners in terms of scams to watch out for, in terms of advice, in terms of food? I know some people, they love the food, but they have a weak stomach. So they got to, you know, just take it a little bit easy, especially for the first days in Morocco. So what would you advise the listeners that are planning to go to Morocco, whether they're going in a group, escorted group, or just solo travelers? Yeah, I would say for the food, for the folks that do have weak stomachs, fortunately, I don't. So I just like kind of went head first in the street food and everything else I could eat. I would just say, take it easy the first couple meals and just don't fill up too much. It's tempting to do that because yes. the food's so delicious, but just start off small and just make sure that you can handle it before you dive in like I did, but also bring your medications and things probably be helpful too. So be prepared for that. I do have a few words of advice, things that you may not find in the travel guides and so forth that I would share. So the first is ask before taking a picture. Especially, you know, when you're walking through the Medinas and you see the people doing the leather work or making the mint tea, making the fresh breads on the reels right there. Like those are fun things to take pictures of, but not everyone wants to be photographed. So I would say out of respect before you take a photograph of a person, make sure that you ask them first and that they're comfortable with that. Secondly, I would say embrace the carbs. <laughs> so I think there are a lot of people like me that for health reasons, watch their carb intake and don't tend to eat a lot of breads and things like that. I'm one of those. I do splurge when I'm on vacation, but I really did splurge this time because there were breads that were part of every breakfast and there's bread served at pretty much every meal. So I just gave up on counting the carbs. I figured I'll deal with it when I get back. So embrace the carbs. Bring your own toilet paper. That's very important, yes. Yeah, when you're in the hotels and things like that, obviously you don't have to worry about that. But when you're out and about at a restaurant or whatever, there's not always toilet paper. So especially for us ladies, just make sure that you always have some with you. Another thing are the mountain trips. While very beautiful, there are windy, hilly roads. So be prepared for that, especially if you're on a longer trip. We had some of those is make sure you have medication if you have any sort of motion sickness. I do. So I was prepared. I had Dramamine and I had a ginger supplement. There were others in my group that didn't, but fortunately brought enough to share. But there were some people that kind of had some stomach upset because of the windiness. So just be ready for that. The tannery. So, you know, you have to see a tannery when you're in Morocco, particularly in Fez. In Fez, yeah. But just be prepared. The the odor is very strong. And typically they'll hand you a bunch of mint leaves when you go in and you sort of hold that to your nose. <laughs> just know going in, you're going to be using that. But it's still, it's a sight to see, you know, how the leather is prepared and so forth. So don't, don't skip it. Just be prepared for it. I'd say enjoy the sport of bargaining. Basically, you bargain for everything, you know, in Morocco, particularly in the souks. And I think a lot of people coming from maybe Western countries who aren't used to bargaining maybe feel a little uncomfortable with that. But it's the expectation when you go to Morocco. And I would say, enjoy it. It's kind of fun, actually. The banter back and forth. I think sometimes we worry about offering a lower price as being insulting. It's not. It's expected. But have fun with it. And, you know, typically the men in the suits and so forth, they were having fun with it. You could tell with the banter back and forth. Oh, yeah. Don't put your bag on the ground. 
we had a situation where we were in a restaurant. There was a big group of us, and it was one of those situations where there were too many of us for the table, so we were all kind of squeezed in. So I had my travel bag with me, and I sat it on the ground. And at some point during our dinner, I heard a cat behind me, you know, picking with their claws, and I turned around and kind of shoot them away. And then my friend next to me says, oh, I think he peed on your bag. <laughs> and sure enough, that happened. That was its own little drama. So um, just find another place for it. But the cats in Morocco, that was another thing that I didn't expect until we got there. There are cats everywhere. That was fun. I took a lot of cat pictures. But last, I would just say, smile. You're in a different place. Everything is going to feel different. But really just enjoy the differences and the warmth of the Moroccan people. If you smile, they smile back, you know, so just really appreciate being there and enjoy the experience. I have to add something to what you just said about the cats. In our houses, Moroccans are more of cat people than dog mm -hmm. people. But in the mountains, it's a little different. It's more dogs than cats. So in our culture and tradition, we always feed the cat. That's why the cat is always under the table. So when you said that it happened to you at the restaurant, they're expected to be fed. The same thing if you go to Jamal, for example, 7, 8, 9 p.m. and you're having your dinner, you'll see a lot of cats under the tables because that's how they get their food. So, But it's just so funny. And also wanted to add, you said medicine. It is very important, especially driving to the mountains. And this is basically when you're moving from the north side of Morocco, going through Marrakesh, then where is that to the south side. There's a pass, it's called Chishka Pass. There's two of them in Morocco. And this is the most popular one, but it's very difficult, especially when you're traveling in a group, 12 people, 16, 20, a minibus or a large bus, and you're sitting in the back versus the front of the bus, you absolutely feel the motions, your head start to spin. So I, I completely agree with you, Angel, in that regard. There's over maybe over a hundred turns to the right and to the left going through that pass. The road is very tiny, very small. It does not support a lot of vehicles that can go at the same time. So sometimes you have to give way to the other vehicles. Everything that you have mentioned is very accurate. All of your advices are really, really spot on. So Angel, as we come close to our session today, to our episode, is there anything that I should have asked you and forgot to do so? It was a beautiful, wonderful place. Definitely, if you get the chance to visit Morocco, it will be an experience that you won't forget. We don't repeat a lot of places just because we love to travel, but there's so many places to see in the world. Morocco will be an exception for us. Um, we oh, just wow. had such an amazing experience. We definitely will go back and repeat some of the places we saw just because we wanted to spend more time there, but also see some of the other parts of Morocco that we weren't able to see. And a large part of that is because we learned on our North Morocco tour how you can't go to one or two places and say you've seen Morocco. Every place is so different. We want to see what the character of some of those other places look like. And I would say don't pass on the homestay. If you have a chance to do a homestay, you really get a much richer experience about the culture than you're going to get staying in hotels and things like that. So definitely take advantage of that if you have the opportunity. That's really good advice. The homestays are definitely a must, maybe not on your first trip, but maybe on your second trip, because you do see another part of Morocco. It happens even to me. Sometimes I say to people, hey, you know, you can come and you don't have to pay much. Come with me and we'll do this. And, and they think that I'm just joking or just lying to them. But in Morocco, when somebody invites you, they really invite, they really mean it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost you a thing. 
the Berber culture, it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's really, really, really incredible. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. The warmth is one of the big things I'm taking away from Morocco. And one of the things that I completely didn't expect, especially being a non-Muslim visiting a Muslim country, I hadn't expected to feel so welcomed there. And I did. Definitely the village you mentioned, when you go out to the Berber areas and the villages, those folks especially were just, they felt so happy to have us there. And they wanted to learn as much about us as we wanted to learn about them. There have even been some that I've kept in touch with, you know, since our trip. Oh, wow. So, yeah, definitely the warmth of the people is something that's very special to Morocco. I've been to other conservative countries where I enjoy, but I didn't feel that, you know. We did an episode on how to pack and what to pack to Morocco. And how did you pack? Did you just pack the way that you do normally when you travel? Or how was the dress code? What did you think of it before you went and then after you went? Because for me, it's really not a big deal. I tell people to pack their regular clothes. Morocco being a third world country, a few additional things you have to have, just like you said, toiletries, medicine, and stuff like that. So how was it for you packing and getting prepared for your trip? The way that you dressed up in Morocco, did you feel unsafe? Did you feel overdressed and addressed? How was it like for you, that experience? I listened to that episode as well, and and definitely the advice when I was packing. I didn't want to pack a lot, so I was very deliberate about what I brought and what I didn't bring because we had our backpacks, we were backpacking, so I didn't want that to be heavier than it needed to be. The medications and the toiletries, that's something you should bring on any trip, but you know, I mentioned the couple things you definitely want from Morocco. I think there's a lot of question about women and how women should dress. Because we went with the organized tour in our travel group, there were several solo women travelers. And I think that's a lot of times why women choose to to join some of these tour groups is because they don't feel safe traveling on their own. Yeah. Um, but honestly, yeah. there was never a moment, not even one moment where I did not feel safe in Morocco. Of course, I wouldn't have wandered out in a dark alley. You know, you don't yes. do things like that. But if you follow your normal, if I'm in an unfamiliar place or if I'm in a city I make sure I'm aware of my surroundings. Those basic rules, I think you'll be fine. In terms of dress, so, you know, I did read a lot. I heard on your podcast, I read a lot on social media about what you should wear in Morocco because I was prepared, you know, if I needed to bring headscarves and things like that, I would have done that. I chose to be a little more conservative than how I would dress at home, just meaning in terms of I didn't wear anything sleeveless. I didn't wear anything short or, you know, too revealing, but I wore a bunch of comfortable dresses that allowed me to eat a bunch of tagine and not oh, feel it too much. <laughs> but just some, for me, just some basic dresses that covered the knees and I was completely yeah. comfortable and actually felt really good in the heat. Honestly, the yeah. more you cover when it's hot, better. You don't get the sunburn and all that stuff. But there were some others in our group that dressed more as they would dress at home, you know, in tank tops and shorts and things like that. And they were fun. I yeah. don't think they ever felt uncomfortable. So I, I think it's be respectful, but pack what you're going to feel comfortable wearing too. I wouldn't go out to some of the smaller villages and kind of a skimpy outfit. I wouldn't do anything like that, but shorts and sleeveless shirts and things like that, I think are fine. Men, I had heard and, and read, even for men, it's a good idea to cover your knees, wear pants instead of shorts. So I told my husband, he packed all shorts. I said, you know, you may want to bring a couple pairs of pants because I had read this. 
he wore shorts and he wore pants, but we did notice that a lot of Moroccan men are in pants. We didn't see very many in shorts. It depends on how much you want to blend and be a part of the local culture. Yeah, that's amazing. Don't miss going to Morocco. I think it's got a reputation for being a very exotic place. And for some people, that's exciting. For some people, I think maybe it makes them feel a little bit nervous. It was our first visit to Africa in general. It was not hard. It was easy. We were welcomed. We were comfortable. The people were warm. It was a very, very nice, historical, beautiful place to visit. So I would highly, highly recommend going there and listening to your podcast, because as I said, I personally found those very, very helpful in preparing for the trip. And it's all in about being prepared. If you go into that country, just having booked a tour and not having read up and done your homework and research, that would have been maybe a little bit shocking, a different experience, because, you know, if you do your homework and you do your research, whether you use guidebooks or podcasts or people who have visited That goes a long way in making sure that you're prepared and that you have an enjoyable experience. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Angel. You know, when I started the podcast, I really had no idea uh, whether it's going to do well or not. I am personally, and as a team, we are very grateful to you. We are very grateful to the listeners. We're very grateful to everybody that have used all the information in the podcast and have traveled to Morocco either by themselves or booked with one of our guests, either it's a tour guide or a stay or a hotel. So it's been an amazing experience for me. We have people listening to us from over 80 countries in terms of cities. It's over 450 cities. So I'm very grateful to you, Angel. Very grateful to the listeners. They make the podcasts a success because they keep listening to it. One of the episodes we did it because Claudia actually reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I'm planning to go to Morocco next week or so, and I don't know what to pack, if you can make an episode about packing. So thank you for that, Claudia. And I hope you had an amazing trip to Morocco. If you go to the website, destinationmoroccopodcast.com, leave us a message. In the bottom of the screen, there's a little bit of a microphone that you can leave us a voice message. We're very open to anything. We are here for you and everything we do is really, really for you. Angel, thank you so much for coming to the podcast and thank you for making the time. I know your schedule with movies, music, traveling, family. Thank you for being with us today. I would love to have you back at some other time just to follow up. And as you know, I'm very appreciative to you. You know, as I mentioned, I listened to your podcast in preparation for my trip and my trip was a better experience because of what I learned from you and from your guests on the podcast. And if I'm in any way paying that forward to other listeners that are considering a trip to Morocco, then I feel really good about that. So thank you. And yes, I'm happy to come back and help again if you need me to. Really, really appreciate that. This has been amazing. So this concludes our episode today with Angel Nair. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on the Destination Morocco podcast. Our dedicated show website, destinationmoroccopodcast.com is where you can find all of our episodes, leave a review, find our social media links, and even register as a guest. If you have been to Morocco yourself, and would love to share a story, advice, or recommendations, you're welcome to participate in our podcast. Whether it's a five-minute story or a full conversation, we will guide you through the steps so that you can share your experience with our listeners. We will be back soon enough with a new episode for you 
as we continue our exploration of the beautiful country of Morocco. See you then. You have traveled the world, but Morocco's allure beckons you. Destination Morocco is here to create the perfect once-in-a-lifetime Moroccan journey, tailored exclusively to your desires. Let us craft an itinerary that unlocks the secrets of this mesmerizing land just for you. For a luxurious, bespoke Moroccan adventure of a lifetime, visit destinationsmorocco.com. That's destinations with an S, morocco.com. And let us turn your dreams into reality. Your amazing Moroccan experience awaits.